Well, if you would turn to Jeremiah chapter 25. Jeremiah 25. Praise the Father, and praise the Son, and praise the Spirit, three in one. Now, as we've seen over the last couple of months, Jeremiah has been prophesying about the coming judgment of God against the nations and against the nation of Judah and the city of Jerusalem. Now that prophecy continues in chapter 25, and you'll hear some familiar words Look at verse 15. Thus the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath, and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. They shall drink and stagger and be crazed because of the sword that I am sending among them. The cup is first sipped in Jerusalem, then all the other nations drink of it. He describes it as a cup full of the wine, of the wrath of God. It's a cup of judgment. It's a cup of judgment against the sinfulness of mankind. This imagery of the cup is developed quite thoroughly in the Old Testament. Psalm 75 says this, It is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup of foaming wine well amidst, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. That's down to the, the bottom. And in the New Testament, Revelation 14, speaking of Antichrist and the sinners who follow him, they also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, the cup of his wrath. And they will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now, God is the God of all nations. Judgment begins first with his people. And from there, the imagery is of it spreading out to all nations and all people, whether or not they acknowledge God or not. He created them. All people are accountable to him. Because of his holiness, he takes sin seriously. And he will punish Wherever he finds sin, sinners will drink the cup of the wrath of God. Now, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus refers to his suffering there, his suffering for us, as a drinking of this cup, the cup of the wrath of God. In Matthew, he says this, My father... If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. 
Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. A second time he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass until I drink it, your will be done. And then a third time, Jesus accepted the judgment of God upon sins into himself. Paul writes this, For for our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, the scripture says. So Jesus drank the cup of the wine of God's wrath to the dregs, to the bottom on the cross. The cup that was reserved for God's enemies. He became sin so that we need not drink that cup, so that we need need not be lost in sin. And because of his sacrifice, his drinking of that cup of the wrath of God, you and I drink a different cup. The cup even that we drink in just a little while. It's called the cup of blessing. It's called the cup of salvation. It's called the cup of the new covenant in his blood. In faith, we believe that Jesus died for us. And in faith, we take and we're going to take and and drink this cup because it's the cup of remembrance of what he did for us. It's it's the cup of the remembrance of our forgiveness and our life and our salvation so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the cup that we drink now and forever. It's the cup that we offer those who don't know him yet. Some of you here this morning might not know God as your Father, Jesus as your Savior. We offer you the cup of salvation, the cup of the new covenant in his blood and forgiveness of your sins. That you come and drink this cup with us because Jesus drank that other cup for you. He drank the cup of the wrath of God for you, the cup that you deserved, the cup that you deserve. Jeremiah in chapter 25 also uses another phrase that is familiar. If you look over at verse 32, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, disaster is going forth from nation to nation, and a great tempest is stirring from the farthest parts of the earth. And those pierced by the Lord on that day shall extend from one end of the earth to the other. They shall not be lamented or gathered or buried. They shall be dung on the surface of the ground. He says those pierced by the Lord on that day. You see, judgment from God against sin and sinners 
is not only depicted as the cup of his wrath being drunk, but it's also depicted as a piercing from the Lord. That they are judged and they are pierced. Isaiah develops this and applies it to Messiah who became sin. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we we are healed. He was pierced for our transgressions. He knew no sin, but he became sin. He took on himself our sin and was pierced. He was judged. Zechariah, the prophet, says, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and they will weep bitterly over him as one weeps for a firstborn. They will look on the one whom they have pierced. John 19, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. And then, and again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. Psalm 22, which has many allusions to the Savior in the Old Testament, he says, Dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. In the book of Revelation, the end of the Bible, behold, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him will see him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. So in in this book of Jeremiah, in chapter 25, we have two very powerful word pictures about the judgment of God against sin. The cup of his wrath and the piercing of his judgment. And both were endured and experienced by Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Son of God, who became sin for us and who suffered sin's penalty. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The cup of the wrath of God and the piercing judgment His wrath and his judgment will be drunk by all who die in their sins. Everyone who refuses God's grace and God's mercy, everyone who rejects the Savior who took their place will instead experience it for themselves. Sinners will experience the drinking of that cup of wrath and the piercing of his judgment. 
in the day that is coming, if they reject the, the Savior, if they reject the Messiah, Jesus, who endured it for them. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. It is just, the judgment of God is just. But for those who put their faith in Jesus, there's no cup of wrath. There's a cup of blessing, of remembrance, of salvation. The, the cup of the new covenant in his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And there is no piercing. Instead, there is a filling of his spirit, a sealing of the Holy Spirit where we are marked out as one who belongs to God. The book of Ephesians says, in him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath, and he was pierced for our sins, so that we don't have to be. Will you not repent of your own sins, admitting them, Will you not believe? Will you not ask forgiveness? Will you not experience the cleansing of sin through the blood of our Savior Jesus shed for you? Will you not give thanks to him? Will you not remember him even this morning as we gather around this table and all that he did for you in dying for you, the cup of blessing, of salvation, and the filling of the Holy Spirit is ours. We're coming to the table now to remember him. I'm going to ask those who are serving to come and join. And let's take a moment of quiet reflection as the scripture encourages us to do and to uh, take any unconfessed sins to him, experience his forgiveness and his encouragement. And uh, if there's uh, any relational challenges that you have with someone around you, even now you can make it right. You could lean over to your spouse, whisper something. You could squeeze their hand. They'll know what that means, that you are asking for forgiveness, and they are giving it to you. So let's approach the table uh, rightly. Let's take a moment. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be here this morning to remember the great cost, the great suffering of our Savior. 
who became sin. And Father, who died in sin and that we might be free from sin and know your grace, your forgiveness, your cleansing. Uh, Father, we are passing these elements out, these symbols, and we pray that we would be able to truly reflect on and, and understand their meaning as Christians have done for thousands of years now. And this bread that we will soon take that symbolizes his body that suffered so much, endured and under your judgment, and we are so thankful for, for the freedom that we have gained through what he endured. And we thank you in his name. Amen.